Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. Lifehouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message. Well, good morning once again, Lifehouse family. Great to see y'all. That's right. We got in the live crowd. This is the second service. Y'all already had your coffee. You guys are ready to go. Hey, uh, before we dive in today, I wanted to do a couple things. Number one, if you are between the ages of 18 and 30, if you're between the ages of 18 to 30, raise your hand. All right, look at this. Well, hey, right after church, everyone say right, everyone say right after church. Right after church, if you're between 18 and 30, we have a young adult lunch in that's going to be paid for by LifeHouse. Come on, somebody, this is a free lunch. Look at God, okay? So if you want to join the young adult life group for, for a free lunch, we're, they're going to County Grill. You want to say County Grill? Okay, you can look it up online, County Grill. Um, it's in Yorktown. It's about a five to seven minute drive from here. We are hosting a free lunch there. We want you to get connected and plugged in, especially at your young adult age. It's important to have a community around you. So we'd love to buy you lunch. Um, like I said, right after church, 18 to 30 years old, County Grill, Yorktown, get over there. They'll be in the back room hanging out. Cool? All right, secondly, I want to welcome our guests. Can we just right now give it up for all of our guests that are here today? So excited. If it's your first time, sincerely want to say welcome. We know going somewhere for the first time can be a little daunting, so thank you for stepping in the doors doors, doors here in Experience in Life House. We just encourage you to come and check us out a couple more times. Love what God is doing in our church. We just, we, we just want to pause and celebrate. So, by the, so from this point last year until this point this year, uh, we have seen God grow our church by about 30%. So the Lord's growing, moving. We're grateful for that. We can celebrate that. And really, here's the, here's the thing. We are not striving to grow, but we give God praise when we do grow. And we, we want to steward the growth well. And one of the ways we do that, like I explained last week, is by ensuring the growth of our serve, the growth of our serve, serve teams match the growth of our church. And so one of the ways that we are doing that is by encouraging people to jump on a serve team. And a serve team is simply a team at our church that serves uh, that, that serves other people, especially on Sundays. And I, just, and I just really quick, you probably got this card walking in. If you want to pull this card out real quick, I, 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 did, I you know, you might be thinking about serving in a church. Maybe you've done that before. Maybe you haven't done that before. They can seem a little daunting. Maybe you have some misconceptions. So I just want to walk through those really, really quick before we dive into the sermon today. Just, just a couple things. Number, number one, if you jump on a serve team, do you have to be a perfect Christian? No, you don't, Okay. We're all in the process of growing. One of the ways that you actually grow in your walk with God is by serving on a team. Actually, I want to show you a picture here. This was from a couple weeks ago at our For Our City event. Uh, we actually had, had this year. These people did not know each other uh, be, before they started serving. They got to serve and say, hey, where are you from? Oh, I'm, I'm from there. Do you like this? Uh, you know, and then it just became a big, happy community. Um, to me, what I said, said, said to them was, this looks like a workplace diversity picture. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but this was not canned. This, this is, was what it was, and we're grateful. Uh, but, you know, you know, but at the same time, serving is one of the best ways to get to know others and build community and to help make a bigger church small. And, um, but no, you do not have to be a perfect Christian to get involved on a serve team. Number one, do you have to volunteer every Sunday? No. We, we simply ask volunteers serve at least one Sunday per one service, one Sunday per month. Um, but most volunteers serve two services uh, per 
months. Thirdly, do I have to commit to serve to a serve team for the rest of my life? No. Okay, we, we don't take blood samples. We don't take credit card numbers. Okay, this is something you can try, whatever. We just want you to find a place to get involved. And fourthly, what if you've been to come to Life House for a couple months? Hey, no matter how long you've been coming, a week, two weeks, whatever, one of the best ways to get plugged in in a, in a church community is to start serving. So if you want a... Like, we, we just encourage you, get in the game. Um, fill this card out, and right after service, take it outside. We've, we've got a booth set up out there with our team shirts. We would love for you. We would love to give you a team shirt today when you take this card. Check a team that you feel, you know what, might interest you. Take that out, and, we, and trade this card in, and we'll give you a team shirt. We've got pink shirts. Talia, stand up, model that for us. We got, go ahead. We, we got the pink shirt right there. And then who's got a blue shirt on? We're my blue shirt people. We ain't got no blue shirts up in the house today. We got a blue shirt right back there. Okay, we got the blue shirt there. Look, we want as many people as we can serve in building community together so we can help reach more people with the uncommon life that Jesus offers. Cool? I'm cool with that. And then tomorrow night, everyone say tomorrow night. We have team night. Everyone is invited. We're gearing up for the fall. So we are inviting all of our teams coming together. We got your dinner covered, your child care covered, and we're coming together. We're gathering, and we're getting synergized and unified uh, for the fall to see what God wants to do in and through our church and in, in and through our teams. Okay, let's dive into God's word. You ready? All right, so we have been in a series called Jesus And. We've been looking at, and we've been doing this pretty much the whole year, looking at the life of Jesus because the church can be very good um, at not looking like Jesus, unfortunately. And so we think it's very important, even as a follower of Jesus, it's so important that as you are reading scripture, you're reading about Jesus. The Old Testament's great, Paul's epistles are wonderful, but do not forget Jesus fully exemplifies who God is and what God's like in a human body. So that's why it's so vital for us to, to when we are consuming the Bible, the, the, we are having a daily intake of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is the four gospels, which is simply four firsthand eyewitness accounts of Jesus's life that give us a different perspective of his life that tell us about who God ultimately is and what he's like through the life of Jesus. So we've been in this series, Jesus and, and we started a mini series last week called Jesus and Serving, where we know serving is easy in theory, but can be hard in practice. Last week, I showed some pictures of Jesus washing particular people's feet I don't know if you remember those, those, those pictures. There was a couple political figures there that might spark a little interest. Um, but the reason I brought that picture up is because we know we should serve. Jesus served. Jesus said, serve as I have served. But it can be hard in practice because there are some things that, are, that can just be really, really nuanced that I want to address today. The message title today is actually called Serving Gone Wild. Okay, serving gone wild, because serving is a great concept. We want to follow Jesus in our serving, but at the same time, serving, if not careful, can go wild. It can go wrong. It can dry you up and burn you out and ultimately lead you to a life that doesn't look like Jesus. And so I want to briefly recap last week, John, John chapter 13, 14 through 15. This was the period of scripture where John washed his disciples' feet. And after he got done washing his disciples' feet, he said this, and since I... Your Lord and teacher have washed your feet. You ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you a what? Everyone say that word. Example to follow. Do as I have done to you. And then a few verses later, Jesus said this. Now that you know these things, now that you know you should serve, God will bless you for doing them. How many of you, you want to be blessed? Well, just know blessing in the kingdom is different than blessing in the culture. There's a blessing in the culture that looks different than blessing in the kingdom. Many times when people say they want to be blessed, they don't really want to be blessed according to what Jesus says. They want to be blessed according to what the culture says. 
Blessed according to the kingdom is a certain kind of person you are becoming. Blessed in the culture is mainly about what you own and have. Right? So we have to say, God, we want you to bless us. What we should actually mean by that is, Lord, I want to become more like you because the greatest blessing we get as a follower of God is to become more like him. That's the greatest blessing. So serving is one of the ways that we can become like him. One of the things we say at our church is that we're training, not trying, right? That as following Jesus, it is not just enough to have head information. We need acts that lead to formation. And whenever we're talking about serving, it really is a spiritual discipline. And a spiritual discipline is simply something that we repeatedly do, not to be saved, not so God will like us better. The spiritual disciplines we do is a way to form us to be more like Jesus, Any discipline we do, it's not about us being saved. It's not about us getting more points on our chart with God. And and, and this is why we have to know the purpose of whatever we're doing. How many of you, it can be, like, it, 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 when you do something and you don't know the purpose, it it can become really monotonous. Because so many of you experience this at work. You go to work and you don't know why. I just get a check. And a check is great. It can pay your bills. But what you want at work mainly is purpose. Why am I going to work? What am I contributing to today? What, what do I hope to see today? And in a church setting, y'all, that is literally so important to anything we do at our church. I just don't want to tell you, do more, give more, be a community, read your scripture, read your, or, or pray, give money. I, I want you to know why those things are important. What is the purpose of those things? And, and so really when we're talking about serving in particular, but any spiritual discipline in general they, they, they are all about three things. N- number one, sorry, <laughs> be quiet, Siri. Uh, no, um, number one is anything we do, any spiritual discipline we do is to form us to be like Jesus. There's no formation without repetition. The more we do something, the more we become like it. Secondly, spiritual disciplines fuel the vision of whatever you are a part of. As each of us come together and serve, what, what actually happens is the vision of the church happens. As you give, it fuels the vision. Giving isn't just about what you do for the church. It's about what giving does to you. Giving is a way to protect you from greed. So, so any spiritual discipline forms you to be more like Jesus. It fuels the vision of whatever you are a part of. But then also, too, it protects your heart. And when you're thinking about serving in, in particular, it forms you, it fuels, but then it protects your heart from selfishness. And, and, th- and this is why I created this little graphic here to kind of help us understand what spiritual disciplines do. The longer I've been following Jesus, the more I've realized that the spiritual disciplines that the Bible and Jesus calls me to do is actually not a way of restricting me. It's a way of protecting me. It's a way of protection because it's so easy for us to look at what God asks us to do and be like, oh, great. Great. I got to do more. And we can look at it as a burden instead of a blessing. And really, whatever God asks us to do is not because he needs it. It's because you need it. Just a reminder. So when God says give, it's not because he needs your stuff. It's because you need to be freed from greed. When God asks us to serve, it's not because God needs you to serve. Matter of fact, God could do a lot more without us. It was so true. Last night, even I told my wife, right, we, you know, we were making brownies about 9.30 p.m. Don't judge us. Okay? Don't judge us. We were, we were making brownies, and my second son wanted to help. 
So he comes in there, we crack the eggs, we da, 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 and we got the powder in there, and we've got the thing, I don't know, cooking, the thing that stirred, the, the mixer, but what's the whisks? There you go. Sorry, I don't, I preach, I don't cook, okay? Um, anyway, my second son wants, wants to come in there, and he's stirring, and he's smiling at us. And we're looking at what he's stirring, and he's doing nothing. But you're doing so good, Judah. Thanks, thanks, thanks for your help. But really, at the end of the day, we are not in this so he can accomplish it. We are in this because we, we want to help form and shape him. He's helping. He's serving. He wants to help. But he's actually, in some ways, hindering. Right? Because he's doing it slower. He's not doing it as quick. And what I told, told Kristen was like, this is what we are with God. God, God doesn't need us, but he chooses to include us. He could do anything he wants as fast as he wants to, but instead he chooses to use us and include us. He could build his church by himself, but he asks us to be involved in it. Why? Because he wants us to be like him. And, and so we can, we can see that whatever spiritual, that whatever spiritual disciplines we do, they, they are ways of protecting us in many ways from us. So you can see here some, some of them giving and serving, being in community, even therapy. Come on, some, somebody. Jesus and therapy, not Jesus or therapy. Scripture, prayer, giving. These are ways of protecting Jesus to keep him in the center. They are not ways of restricting you from getting what you want. They're ways of protecting us to keep God's best at the center. And when it comes to serving, y'all, this is one of the things. As we develop a heart posture to serve, as we participate in serving, it has a way of breaking selfishness. I don't know about you. I got three kids. We did not have to teach them the word mine. We did not have to teach them me, myself, or I. That was deeply indebted and engrafted in them. And one of the ways that we fight that and we break selfishness is we develop a heart to serve. So I want to talk to you today today, though, about how we can get serving wrong. Last week, I, I talked about how Jesus modeled serving. If you can go on the podcast and check that out. But today, serving can get wild, y'all, because serving can actually be a barrier if it's not done right. Serving can actually be a, be a way to take you away from Jesus instead of taking you towards Jesus if it's not done right. So it's, it's my heart today that as a church, we develop serving gone right, not serving gone wild. And the way we do that is we look at the life of Jesus. I'm going to give you six ways today that serving has gone wrong and six ways about how Jesus has gotten serving right. So we're going to look at how we've gotten it wrong and how Jesus gets it right. And I want you to specifically apply this message today into three specific areas that I think all of us can relate with. Number one, marriage. How much better would your marriage be if you, in your spouse, you had a posture heart to serve each other? How much better would your workplace be if you had a team that said, I'm not here to be served, I'm here to serve? How much better would our church be if we had people that came in and said, well, I'm, I'm just in it for what I can get? No, I'm in it to see what can I give and contribute to the vision and mission. Serving makes everything better, but we got to make sure it's done right. All right, y'all, you ready to dive, dive in? I got about 20 minutes to get through six. So if you've never prayed for miracles, now might be your time, okay? <laughs> no. All right, number one, the way we get serving wrong, you serve to be served. Try a marriage where you serve to be served. Essentially saying, like, I'm going to serve, but if I serve, I'm only going to serve if I'm served back. 
good, good luck with that one. See how long your marriage lasts, right? Because ultimately what you're doing is you are responding back to what someone does instead of responding back to how God has served you. And if we are going to live a life of response to God, in it, or if we're going to live a life of response to God instead of reaction to people, then we have to see serving as not like I'll serve when I'm served. You say we serve because we were served. And y'all, this is the fuel for marriage, y'all. This is the fuel. Because many times your spouse will be unservable. Some of y'all laughing because y'all like, yup. You'll be like, well, they don't deserve it. I serve them more, and, and you'll, you'll get the scorecard out. And what I would say is you have to be careful of that because you don't want to evaluate yourself by, like, in comparison with your spouse. You always want to evaluate yourself in comparison to God. And in light of that, as you are realized, because you think Jesus did not serve others because they served him back. As a matter of fact, the very people he served denied him, uh, betrayed him, spit in his face, and ultimately crucified him. Jesus did not have a transactional relationship in serving. Jesus served because his father served him. And because what Jesus was able to do, it was because the fuel for serving wasn't other people. The fuel for serving was his father who had served him. If we're going to serve rightly, y'all, we have to make sure we have the right focus. And the right focus cannot be who serves us. The right focus is the God. Now, this doesn't mean you don't voice if you have an issue. So what I'm saying is just be quiet, suck it up. If your spouse is being whatever, just do it like it's old. No, you might need to be able to have some DTR moments. Determine the relationship. Let's talk about things, right? I'm not saying abuse, but I am saying that we have to make sure we have the right heart. All right, secondly, we get serving wrong when we serve to find an identity. Because here, what, what we see in Jesus' life, Jesus served from an identity, not for an identity. I'll say that one more time. Jesus served from his identity that his father gave him instead of serving for an identity. And this is so important because if you don't know who you are or whose you are, you will people please your life away. Because you'll be wanting everyone's approval that anytime someone needs something, yeah, 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 I got it, I got it, yeah, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. And you all, you can do it to a place where you're burnt out, hating people, and bitter. That's, that's why it's vital for us to know as children of God, we, we already have an identity. And as you learn and as you grow in that and as you realize who you are, who God says you are, you will be less dependent on who other people say you are. Because many times we, we serve people because we want people to have a certain view of us, which will then get us into people pleasing. And you say yes when you have no desire to say yes. When you know who you are and whose you are, you have no problem saying no. Everyone say the, that, that word with me. Ready? One, two, three. No. What would change in your life if you started to say no? And when you start to say no, it, and, the, and it's the people you've said yes to for a long time because you were scared of what they think, 
What happens when you say no really shows where the relationship is. Because you have people that you've been saying yes to that you haven't been wanting to say yes to, but because you want their, their approval, you've been saying yes to them. Well, let's, let's see whenever you say no how they treat you. Because then that will show you clearly where the relationship really is. But as Christians, I, f- I feel like one of the main things that, that I talk about and yell every single week <laughs> is just about your identity in Christ. Because a lot of the issues we have in our culture of having an identity crisis is directly related because we look for an identity instead of receiving an identity. So we look for an identity in what we do, in who people say we are, in, in things out here, instead of your original identity is you are created from the creator. And as you spend more time learning about who he says you are, you will spend less time seeking to see who other people think you should be. And that will then free you to know what to say yes to and what to say no to. Here's the thing. We don't serve to find an identity. identity. We serve because we have a new identity in Christ. I I just don't know how else this, but just you're new in Christ. You are new in Christ. If you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are a follower of him. Your fundamental identity has changed. You've gone from a sinner to a saint, from lost to found. This is who you now are. And the rest of your life in following Jesus, you will be discovering what this means. All right, thirdly, the way we get serving wrong, you serve to cover up your own pain. One of the ways serving can be used against us is when it's done to keep us busy. Some of you are so afraid to slow down because if you slow down, your pain would get real. And one of the ways you actually disregard your pain and numb your pain is by serving and being busy. Because you know if you actually pause, the pain would actually come up. The the devil will keep you busy to keep your cycles going. Because some of you know this, because I live this. Like, there would like there's this like whether it's personal, marital, whatever. You just have these cycles, and you're like, we have good for a few weeks. Something happens. You know something's not right in your gut, but actually addressing it might actually cause you to take a few steps back. Actually addressing it might cause us to get in couples therapy. Actually addressing it might actually cause me to go back to my childhood and realize that I've been shaped and formed in a way that, that isn't good and that I actually have to actually address it. But I can't do that because I've got kids and a spouse and a job. i got so much stress going on. Why would I want to address it now? I've got too much going on. I'm too busy. I can't do it. Just repeat the cycle. Do you all hear me? You all hearing me? And I, and I know it well because I, li- I, li- I lived it. And by God, and I'm, not, I'm just saying like by God's grace, y'all, taking a couple steps back can actually be taking a lot of steps forward. Because you're pausing. You're pausing to let the Lord in because y'all, and, and, just, and I just really want to say, say this, like areas where you're broken and wounded and hurting, and just know you can be a follower of Jesus and be broken, hurt, and wounded instantaneously Jesus heals or instantaneously Jesus transforms your identity. But just because you're a follower of Jesus does not mean that there will be areas in your life that need healing. 
that may take years, that may take months for you to let Jesus in to heal. And parents, let me just say this. You're taking the time to heal isn't just about you. It's about the generations after you. Because what isn't healed will be handed down. What isn't healed will be handed down. And it takes courage, parents, to, to dig into your mouth formation, nature, nurture, whatever, and allow Jesus into those areas. Whether it's through ther ther therapy, whether it's through healing prayer, whether it's through the process of, of just talking with, with, with somebody, whether it's the process, like there are so many ways that God can heal. He can heal supernaturally, he can heal naturally. But the point is, is that if, if you don't take time to focus on healing, then you will consciously or subconsciously hand down all of, all of who you are. But it's crazy how serving can be a way for us to stay busy. And busyness will keep us from addressing our pain. Here's the thing. We can serve because we've experienced pain, but not to cover up our pain. The thing that's crazy about pain and the pain you've, you've, ex, you've experienced is many times that is the place that God wants to use you the most. You want to find purpose? Where's, where, where's, where's, where's your pain? Where's that area of your life that you, you were at a, a hurt, dark, broken place and the, and the Lord healed you, he restored you, or maybe you're in process right now. Some of you, you're in the process of healing. One of the most uh, helpful things you can do that as you're healing is to try to help someone else heal. Right? But pain can be a great indicator and pointer to purpose. This is Romans 8, 28, where it says all things, where it says God takes all things and makes them work for, for our good and for his glory. That he says all things work to the good of those who love God. That doesn't mean all things are good. But it does mean that God is so good, he can take all things that have happened in our, in, in our life, and he can take it and make it work for our good and for his glory if we give it to him and let him heal it. But there's a process there. And I love how Jesus modeled this. Because y'all, like we can think Jesus is just like, we can just dehumanize Jesus, y'all. <laughs> we can dehumanize him. Scripture says he set his divinity aside. Means he didn't stop being God, but he set it aside to show you and I what was possible in a human body. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, shaped and formed by rhythms and disciplines. And Jesus showed us when he was at his deepest, darkest moment of pain, he said, God, if there's any way that you could take this cup, and he was talking about the cup, he was talking about the crucifixion he was about to experience. He said, if there's any way to take this cup, Lord, would you find some other way but not my will, your will be done. And it was his pain that led to your freedom. It was his pain that led to your freedom. And I just love how Jesus models how there's purpose to our pain if we let him. So y'all, let's not be people who serve to cover up our pain. Let's let Jesus in. And here's the thing. You know what I love about our church? We have, we have people within our church, Kristen and I, we meet with them, and we can just tell they, they, need to, like, they don't need to serve in the church. They just need to come to service and receive. And that's fine. If you need a season of that, please take that. Like, yes, we want everyone to get, get in the game. But at the same time, if you need a period in time where you just need to come to service and not have any expectations or agenda, but to just receive, I would encourage you to do that. Because maybe the Lord wants to have you in a season of pause. That makes sense? 
All right, next, we get serving wrong when we serve with our own vision. You've been at work and you know this, right? A leader's got a vision. Maybe you're the leader, you have a vision, and someone comes in and they start to serve, but they serve with their own vision. You ever been there? And then when there's the person with the vision and then there's someone else with a vision, what do, what do we have? Huh? Division. Die means two. Vision, division, there's two visions. And it's wild to me how much Jesus lived his life only doing his father's vision. John chapter 17, you can hear, I do what my father tells me to do. I say what my father tells me to say. I go where my father tells me to go. I give the message that my father tells me to give. He was locked into his father's vision. And what did he do? He reflected that and he said that. It's wild that we can actually bring division through our serving if we are not aware of the clear vision of what we're a part of. And that is why it, it is important. Just think about maritally. Are y'all clear on y'all's vision for marriage? Have y'all had the vision talk? Hey, babe, where do you see us financially in five years? Because the way you spend the money is you have the vision of us being bankrupt. Or, hey, babe, where do you see us physically? Like, these are taught, because there's got to be vision. Scripture says this, without vision, people perish. If there is not revealed vision, what are you working towards? And that's why in marriage, it's so important. At your job, if you are the leader at your job, you want to make sure that people have a clear vision of what they're doing for when they come into work, what they're working towards. The vision is so vital in a church. That's why we've worked hard. To, I mean, I, we probably say the daggone vision so much, y'all probably sick of hearing it. Because I want to make sure you know the vision of our church, what our heart is for you. We, we think the vision of the church ultimately is what, what we hope to see God do in your life. We want to see you live uncommon. We, we, we want to see you follow Jesus. Be a disciple. Like, not just be a consumer of Jesus. Not just think of Jesus as this sky fairy. Not see Jesus as this, you know, like, person in the sky. No, he's someone we follow. We want to do life together. We want to have relationships. We, we want to get in the game. We don't want to be spectators sitting in the stands. Go, Pastor John, do your thing. No, we are all in this thing. Fourthly, we want to leave a legacy. We don't want to live for now. We just don't want to live for what we can get YOLO now. We want to live for legacy. We are clear on what we hope God to see do in your life so you can be clear on what you are a part of. And then say how those things work together towards us all being a part of that. Vision is so vital. Next. You serve, how, excuse me, how we get serving wrong. You serve, but you never want to be served. Church is the best place for this. I just want to serve, brother. But do you ever want to be served? I said the story last week, right? Like my mom, man, I had a great example of people serving. But my mom would never let anyone serve her. Ever. Mom, let us serve you some food. No. And I was just shocked at how many times you look in scripture to see how many times the greatest servant of all was served. Jesus was served water. He was served. Jesus, went to, Jesus was a non-discriminatory eater, man. I want to be more like Jesus. I want, I want to eat like Jesus. Jesus went to meals with Pharisees. He went to meals with sinners. He went to meals like Jesus was always eating. 
But it was like to eat, he had to have people serve him. Jesus, like he took naps. Have you ever considered not just Jesus' power, but Jesus' limits? Because some of you think you don't have a limit. But you're not Jesus. But Jesus, even, even Jesus had limits. He took naps. I want to be, be more like Jesus. I want to nap more. But it's so easy for us to just serve and never want to be served. And really, at the end of the day, that's a form of pride. That's a form of pride. And some of you, you just, in the environment, you need to even take a step back and even practice and train towards just being served. Like when you go to an event, you just sit there. <laughs> you know, like you, 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 you just let someone serve you. Because we can get serving wrong by always wanting to be the one serving. Instead of saying, you know what, maybe today I need to discern and I need to be the person that gets served. And you can think you're doing something wrong. You're not doing something wrong. You're just in many ways being like Jesus. <laughs> okay, last, lastly. Josie, you can go ahead and come on up. The way we can get serving wrong is we serve with unhealthy expectations. I don't know about you. I've heard it said, expectations are the breeding ground for miracles. I've also experienced expectations can be the breeding ground for disappointment. Expectations are so vital when it comes to serving. I just want to remind you, Jesus was perfect. Jesus was the ultimate servant, and it led him to be murdered. <laughs> by the religious and politics. And the reason I say that is because if you are going to take a path, a trajectory in your life of being a servant that's healthy, of, because I, I, I love how it even says in scripture, John chapter two, Jesus did not entrust himself to the crowds because he knew what was in them. But Jesus served the crowds. Yes, he did, but he, you can serve somebody but not have full built trust. Just like Jesus did. It's like taking a trajectory and path of being a servant, of having a posture of servant, a heart posture of servanthood, and a practical life of being a servant. You have to know what you are ultimately taking is a path towards the cross. John, that doesn't sound so enticing. That doesn't sound so welcoming. I agree. But I want to remind you of some words Jesus said. He said, if you're going to come after me, you must deny yourself, take up your what? Cross. And follow me. He said, when speaking about the way of Jesus, he said, the road to hell is wide and many enter through it. The way of life of following me is what? Narrow and few find it. As we are taking this path and this trajectory of being a church individually and corporately towards serving, we have to be reminded that as we take this trajectory, it's going to feel a lot like a cross. In scripture, Isaiah, one of the prophecies about Jesus is says that he would be the suffering servant. 
Many times serving requires suffering. I don't know about you, and I say this lovingly, and my wife's not in here, so I can say it. Uh, but marriage can feel like a slow death. No, and, and, I'm, and trust me, this is, these are conversations we have, so this ain't nothing that I'm saying to you that she has not heard. Because it's crazy how marriage will expose your selfishness. I've realized every issue, big issue in our, in our marriage we have had, the root cause was not her, it was me not wanting to die. Because death is hard, y'all. The way of the cross is hard. Marriage will expose your selfishness. Your job will expose your selfishness. Being in a church community will expose your selfishness. And then that's when we have to say, serving's great in theory, but are we going to walk this thing out? And all I'm trying to say is to set the expectations, because sometimes you can go into marriage. I mean, how many of y'all married? You, go, you went into marriage with the wrong expectations. And it quickly was like, oh, wow, this is a lot different than I thought. You can go into a church with unhealthy ex expectations. I'm sure this church is going to be perfect. Pastor John, they got a great, great team. Y'all, we're we going to fail. We're going to fail you. Someone's not going to call you back. Someone's going to forget your birthday. Like, administratively, we're going to, like, I'm just setting the expectations, right? But if, if, if we all go in with the right expectations of knowing if we're going to have a posture and heart to serve in anything, our job, the church, marriage, whatever, it is going to feel in many ways like we are on a cross or we are carrying a cross. And I want to say, if you feel that way, it's working. It's working. You are on the path that Jesus took. But just know in every death, there's, resur there's resurrection. As you take on a heart to serve and you feel yourself dying, do you know what resurrects? Selflessness. Selfishness dies, selflessness resurrects. This is what happens, y'all. We take the way of Jesus, we follow him, we carry the cross, and what comes out of us is the best version of us that could humanly be possible. Why? Because we're becoming a sanctified, Jesus-like version of us. And it's beautiful. And that's what I wanna invite our church into, is that we would be a church individually and corporately that followed the way of Jesus. No serving gone wild, serving gone right as we fix our eyes and focus on Jesus. If after today's message you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot Lifehouse a text to 757-690-2401. For more information about Lifehouse, you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.